Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store for you. Just a reminder that since next week is Holy Week, there won't be any new episodes of That Sounds Fun in your feed on Monday or Thursday. We just love taking a little quiet time to reflect and remember and think about Jesus during Holy Week, and I hope you'll do the same. And if you want something to fill that audio spot on your commute or while you're grocery shopping, be sure to check out the audiobook version of That Sounds Fun. I loved recording it and only teared up twice. Thank you very much. Feels like a personal victory. It's got an original score, three bonus podcast episodes included, which I think you'll really love. You can find it anywhere you love to get your audiobooks. And if you want to listen to the scriptures that took place in the week leading up to Easter, you can find them by searching TSF Holy Week 2020 last year in April. Before we dive into our conversation today, I want to take a quick minute and tell you about one of our amazing partners, BetterHelp. I think it's a wise practice to take time to check in with yourself on a regular basis, you know, like ask yourself how you're really doing. And one of the people who helps me process like that is my counselor. If you find yourself in need of an emotional and mental health check-in, you need BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can then connect with in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating really soon after your match, like within 24 hours. And I love that you can send a message to your counselor anytime and they'll get back to you with thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and it's really important to BetterHelp that you make a good therapeutic match so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need to. It's not self-help. It's not a crisis hotline. It's a confidential, affordable, convenient, and professional counseling. BetterHelp is available worldwide, so wherever you are, they've got you covered. BetterHelp therapists have a really wide range of specialties, things like depression and self-esteem, relationships, anxiety. Again, no matter what you're walking through, BetterHelp has a counselor who can help you. I want you to start living a healthier life today. As one of my friends, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Join over a million people and so many of our friends here who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the podcast, to walk us into Holy Week is one of my all-time favorite writers, Sally Lloyd-Jones. You may know her as the author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which has sold over three million copies. I own a handful of those. I gift them every time I get to go to a baby shower. She has a new book called Near that outlines Psalm 139 for kids. We'll actually be reading that Monday night on Mini BFF Book Club. That's 6 p.m. on my Instagram, Annie F. Downs, if you would like to join. But here's my conversation that is really special with Sally Lloyd-Jones. Okay, we're ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Sally, I it is such an honor to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for making time to do this. Well, I feel the same way, Annie. Thank you for having me. I mean, we share so many friends. We do. And we met. Yes, Can that's you right. It? At, the, um, at the Faithful Luncheon, correct? Yes. Yes. For the first time. It didn't seem like the first time. That's what's the best, isn't that's it? That's what's the best. I feel the exact same way. Um, you're part of that Faithful album and book writing and all that, aren't you? 
Yes, it was such an adventure. Yeah, will you talk about it a little bit? I know a lot of our friends know about it, but what was it like getting to write? I mean, because you were writing songs with people as well as people writing books. Yes, and I, um, because of what I do, which is um, I tell stories in two languages, image and um, word, because I do mm. picture books. And you know that because you've just come out with your yes, first, right? So yes, yes, it's coming. Congratulations. Thank anyway, you. Um, so that's telling a story in two languages. Well, songwriters do the same thing. They just do it with music and word. And so over the years, um, working with Andrew Peterson and Ellie Holcomb and Amy Grant, I've had the incredible opportunity to perform I Don't Sing, but mm-hmm. you know, read my work and they sing and we put on a, a story told in three languages. So I had already loved working with songwriters. But then when this opportunity came up to meet with, to, to bring authors, songwriters, musicians together to praise God about his faithfulness, particularly to women Mm -hmm. and all of us being women. It was just an exciting facet of God's redemptive plan to be able as women to worship together through word and song. And, oh, it's just exciting. And it's good to, I love seeing people in their great gift, like to be in a, a room with songwriters who can just put a melody together mm-hmm. just blew me away. Yes. And the whole science of writing a song, it was just, it was great to be stretched. I was I about to say, it. it must feel like a totally different muscle group than what you're used to doing. Yes, it's it's because it's deceptively simple. Yeah. And that's the key about a song. It needs to be simple. Well, in some ways, that's the same as a picture book because a picture book, I think the best picture books are like a poem. Mm. In fact, Margaret Wise Brown, who's one of, my favorite children's book writers from the 50s around then. She wrote Goodnight Moon, if anyone yeah, knows of that. Course. And Runaway Bunny, who's one of my favorites. But she said a picture book should almost be able to be hummed or sung. Oh, it should have wow. that kind of... So in, a, in many ways, picture book writing is similar to songwriting, but adding the music part mm-hmm. and all their technical thing about the hook and the reprise and all these things I didn't know about. So it was, it was just fabulous. And they're so, what a group of women. Oh, and you had the same experience, right? Yes. That luncheon. I mean, just being in that room with all of y'all, I just thought, how did I sneak in here? I mean, just, it's just so many, it's so many legends that are working on that project together. I just, I I think the world of it. Okay. Let me back up and ask a question because I don't know this. You know, Jesus Storybook Bible is what you're most known for, though there are a lot of other beautiful books you've put together. How did this start? Did you, like, study, like, poetry in college? Like, how did this even start? Oh, well, that's a nice question. I love poetry, and ever since I've been— the truth is I've always loved writing ever since I was a little girl. So I would I would be writing little limericks. The first book I ever wrote, read all the way through was when I was seven. Oh, wow. And I was a dreamy child, and I didn't think I was very clever because I wasn't academic in the sense of I didn't keep to the top of the class or anything. I was always looking out of the window. And so books to me were books were sort of showing me that I wasn't clever. That's how I thought about books. But when I read The Complete Nonsense by Edward Lear, hmm. it was filled with his drawings and these crazy limericks, and it was a paradigm shift because I thought oh I didn't know you could have fun inside books wow and of course that's all these years later exactly what my job is to have fun inside books Mm -hmm. but so I immediately set to uh, making up my own limericks and inflicting them on my unsuspecting parents (laughs) and friends and family and then drawing my own cartoons so 
ever since then, I've loved writing. And I, I just want to share this, that people say, you may have heard this, that whatever you loved to do when you were about six, before you became who you thought everyone wanted you to be, and I think that's especially true for women, mm-hmm. before we become who we think everyone's telling us we have to be, look back to what you loved when you were about that six, five, six age, and it will clue you in to something very true about you that you must have in your life, whether it's a hobby whether it's your living, whatever it is, it's just a good clue. And for me, it was writing poetry, drawing drawings, and being funny. I I tell people a lot when I'm doing, like, fun coaching kind of stuff with them, since I talk about fun so much, I say, what did you do on a Saturday when you were nine? Because that, exactly, it, yeah. will, it will teach you something about yourself. It may not be the whole answer, but it's sure a good start to the answer. Yes, and it gets us out of the way of all these rules we've put up that Mm -hmm. get in our own way. And where did you grow up? What part of England, I'm assuming? Yes. Well, you would think, but I was born in Africa. I was born in Kampala, Uganda. Okay. And lived in Nairobi, Kenya. So the first years of my life were in Africa, which was basically my memory was running outside barefoot, technicolor, freedom. Yeah. Just joy. Then we came back to England when I was, when I was four. And I in my memory, it went from Technicolor to black and white, mm. grizzle, gray. And it was, and this comes back to your first question. And in that time, when I was between four and seven, we were in this uh, suburb of London and I, we went to a church. And I know the church was well-meaning and no one set out to do this. But as a six-year-old little girl, even though I knew Jesus was my best friend because I'd become a Christian when I was four, and But when I was six, I have a memory of going to church, holding my dad's hand, thinking to myself, when I grow, and this was to the Sunday school, when I grow up, I'm never going to church ever again. Wow. So what happened to that little six-year-old to take her from the wonder that I knew when I was in Africa to this awful vow I was making? Even though Jesus was my best friend, I didn't want to go to church. And And I know what it was. Sunday school for me was all about the rules and I wasn't, it was just like another school and school yeah. had already told me I wasn't clever. Mm-hmm. So then I go on Sundays to find out I'm not doing it right. I'm not, wow. I'm not good enough for God to love me. I'm not brave like David or Daniel. I could never be thrown to lions and, and be faithful. I would, I would be the person who says, no, I never heard of God. I'm not a Christian. Wow. So I wouldn't be thrown to lions. So as a little seven or eight year old, I had this dual idea about well, I knew Jesus loved me, but I really wasn't so sure about God because I thought God could not be pleased with me because I wasn't doing it right. Wow. And that's the, that really is the reason I wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible because I wanted that little girl that I was, a six-year-old, to know the book is not about you being good so God would love you. God loved you from the beginning. of Even before he made the world, he loved you mm-hmm. and he knew your name and he chose you. And he will move heaven and earth to be close to you. And it has nothing to do with you and how good you are. Mm -hmm. He loves you. And I wanted children to know that first. And out of that love comes a changed life. But you can't change anyone with the rules. If we could, we'd never needed Jesus to come. Oh, that's good. You can't change anybody with the rules. That's it. That's it. If you don't mind me asking, you can give us a range if you'd like to. I'm just thinking about our friends who are raising kids or who are doing the writing work. If you were six when that happened, how old were you when you were working on Jesus Storybook Bible? Oh, I was like 
I think, I, you know, I probably was 40. Yeah, that's amazing. It takes, and it took all of that time. This is another thing to encourage parents, mm-hmm. perhaps, or writers, or anyone, really. Our time is not the same as God. Yes. So if you'd talk to me when I was about 25 or something, or 25 to when I was, yeah, into my 40s, I probably would have told you, I hadn't really lived my dream. I wanted to be a writer, and here I am. Mm. I'm on the wrong side of the desk. I'm an editor. I'm working on other people's writing. And I suppose that's okay. That's better than nothing. But I would have, I would have just shared with you that I didn't, I didn't be brave enough. I wasn't brave enough. What I didn't realize was the story wasn't over. Mm. God was working. And in his perfect timing, I lost my job. Completely out of the blue, lost my job, had an apartment in New York, and was like, oh, no, now what? Everything looks like it's over. And God gave me, as the, the morning I was laid off, I sort of knew. God just, oh, wow. you know how he does that? Yep. I went in and I'd had the story of Joseph. And I really knew what God was telling me was Joseph had to go down to the dungeon. So it looked like a dead end for Joseph. But in actual fact, it was promotion. Mm. Because it was only by being in the dungeon that he could become prince of Egypt and save God's people. And that's the way God works often, is that we come to the end of us and our story, and we think it's all over. And truthfully, looking back, it was because I was laid off. This is the truth. Because I was laid off and I needed money, I was in a position to say yes to anything that came along. Right. And my goal, I knew as being brought up in a Christian home, I really didn't really just want to write for the Christian world because I felt my my calling was for all children. And so I was more focused on the child who'd never come to church. And my calling was, I knew, to bring joy to children, however that looks, whether it's a potty training book or a book about a fish. So that was my my focus. But because I'd been laid off, it made me just be open to saying yes. And when the chance came to work on a, to write an older storybook Bible, I'd done some when I was an editor mm. in on the job. I'd done some Bible storybooks for very little children. And I'd got a reputation for being able to do something complicated, making it simple. Mm. So when I had the opportunity to write a book for older children about the Bible, I, my reaction was, oh, oh, yes, well, I'll do a good job. But it, really, this isn't what I'm called to. I'm called to be for all children. Wow. But I said yes, because I needed money. So God put me in a place because he knew I didn't know. I wouldn't know that this was for all children because he's he, he just plans things in a different way. Right. So I started the project needing money. Halfway through researching it, soaking myself in scripture, taking classes, listening to sermons, everything changed. I went from, yes, I'm going to do a good job and then I'll move on mm-hmm. to, oh, it doesn't matter. I, I would do this for free because if I give this everything, if I wrote this the way C.S. Lewis would write this, mm. if I wrote it the way I really want to write it, then it could be a then I would have done it for free. And that's when I think I was given the book. I think yeah. it was the Holy Spirit, truthfully. I don't, I just think he put me in the place and I was available. I I love hearing that because so many of our friends who are listening are maybe 25 or 35 yes. and they are feeling like, like they're not getting a chance to do the big thing with their life that they want to do. That's well put, the big thing, yeah. And, and and we get we get blinded, don't we? Yes, yeah, because we're watching. They're watching you and me. 
and they're watching us put out books, not paying attention to that I'm 40, you know? Yes. Yes. And the, it's the little things that take you to do the big things. Mm-hmm. So even the little thing of, oh, I need to make, I need to say yes mm-hmm. to this project to get money. That's a little step. Yep. The next little step, oh, I'm going to research it. The next little step, oh gosh, this is actually changing how I'm looking at everything. Yeah. And then the le- next little step, wow, a whole change of attitude. And then your imagination catches fire. And it's God who, I really believe God is the author. He's the author of the book Success mm-hmm. and he's the author of the story. And he is the one who, and we, you know, you look back on all of your life and you say, oh yes, the book took me a year to write, but no, not really. Mm. It took me 40 years yes. and a year. It took me a year, <laughs> technically. Yeah. But it was everything in my life, going back yeah. to that six-year-old child. Yep. So that's the beauty of what God does is everything, nothing is wasted. And our only job is to say yes to the next right thing. And we yes. don't worry about, if we will start worrying about the results and who's going to like it, you, you, you can't do that. You have yeah. to just do the next right thing. And I just look back and think it all looks so clever. And yes, it was all planned, but not my me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're <laughs> no. like, that is such so. a great story that I had very little to do with. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think our job is to say yes mm-hmm. and be available. I will say this because I'm, I'm guessing it's not in your heart to celebrate this as much because of what you're saying. But with three mil- over 3 million copies of Jesus Storybook Bible. So that is... 3 million homes that that book is in at least what talk about the, what that says to you, like what that makes you feel about the reach of the gospel because of this thing you put your time into. Well, I just, you know, I'm just blown away that God would take my terrible motivation for money. (laughs) And I say that because I want people to know I didn't sit on a holy mountaintop and it all came easily. Right. It, was the, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It, there were struggles all the way through. But what, when I hear that, I, am, I almost feel like it's none of my business. I am so grateful, <laughs> but I'm only looking at it sort of out of the side of my eye because mm-hmm. I know it's the winsomeness of God's gospel. The, the gospel is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think what the Jesus Storybook Bible did was tell the through story which a lot of people miss, and it helps you because it's shorter and you can read it in one sitting mm-hmm. to capture a sense of the beauty of this love story we're part of. Mm-hmm. And when I hear it's gone into all those, I can't even take it in and I'm just, I just say to the Lord, how, did, how come you chose me? I'm just so grateful. Mm-hmm. Help me to keep being faithful in all that I'm doing. And I think I'm also very aware that He's just as pleased with a book that may not sell that many yes. if it reaches one child. And I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I really believe that because I've had books that I think are some of my best writing and they didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But then I'll hear about one child who was helped by it. Yeah. And then I think God is always after the one. He's always interested. He leaves the 99 to get the one. Mm-hmm. So I think he doesn't want us judging anything by numbers and everything like that. I think what we do is we do what I heard a pastor would do whenever he was asked, whenever they came to him and said, Pastor, what a beautiful sermon. What he would do is he'd go, thank you. And then he'd send it on an escalator up to heaven. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And I think that it's like, yes, I am so grateful. And at the same time, it's totally only God who could do that. And I think our job 
my job was to be available. And another story I have to tell you about a pastor that really helped me. I think it was from like the 18th century in London. And this, this cler- uh, clergyman was going for an interview to try and be the vicar mm-hmm. or the curate. And the vicar was interviewing him and the curate said, I don't think I could preach a sermon that would set the Thames on fire. Mm-hmm. And the vicar said, well, I don't want to know if you can set the Thames on fire. What I want to know is if I, if I dunk you in, will it sizzle? Wow. And I love that idea because I think God is the one who sets the Thames on fire. Right. Our job is to be the one who's on fire with love for him, that our imagination is on fire if we're, if we're artists, or that we would be giving it everything and then it's up to him what he does. Hey friends, just taking a short break from this conversation to give a shout out to our amazing partners, KiwiCo. I know this isn't true everywhere that y'all are listening from, but the weather here in Tennessee has turned awfully nice and I am here for it. Getting outside, enjoying my porch again. Spring is speaking my language. And since we're all likely still sticking pretty close to home this spring, why not make KiwiCo's super cool STEAM projects, that's short for science, technology, engineering, art, and math, part of your family's at-home fun. It'll let the kiddos in your life take their imagination on a trip without even leaving the house. With the KiwiCo subscription, your child gets a new crate full of fun science and art projects every month. Everything you need is shipped right to your door, and there's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. Ashley, who's on our team at Downs Books, has an 11-year-old daughter, and they sent me a video the other night of a robot they built together from their KiwiCo subscription. Yes, it was a video, not just a picture, because the robot was walking across their kitchen, y'all. Ash said they loved receiving their boxes each month and they have the best time unboxing and sorting all the included supplies because KiwiCo literally thinks of everything. And it's tough to decide if the fun of the project or the pride of the results is the best part. As a former elementary school teacher, it's one of my favorite things to see my mini BFFs having so much fun while also cultivating creativity and problem-solving skills and curiosity. These hands-on activities from KiwiCo provide such great opportunities to build brain power and confidence. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code that sounds fun at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com. Promo code that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Sally. Do you feel, tell me if this rings true to you. I have grown to feel like the day a book releases, my job's kind of done. Like, like I mean, of course we get to talk about it and do interviews, but like that night before the book releases is kind of my night where I go, my part of this is finished. Like this is the end of my relationship with this work. Yes. Now it's every, now it's all of ours together. And I have already, God's hopefully already given me the next opportunity to say yes to something else. I love that. It's almost, I heard one time I learned that when uh, I was at a friend's house and their little girl was at the dinner table and the mother said, oh, go and get Sally's book. And the little girl looked sort of mysterious, mystified. And then the mother said, go and get, and she explained. The girl came back and read um, from the Jesus Storybook Bible, the Lord is my shepherd, Mm -hmm. paraphrase. And as I was listening, the firm belief in my heart was the Lord saying, it's not your book, it's her book. Oh. <laughs> because it's between in that it's it's sort of between God and his children. Mm-hmm. If it's a book about Bible stories, if it's a book about potty training, if you're if you're giving everything of what God's put in your heart 
and you're doing it excellently and you're sending it out, yes, it's almost none of your business. Mm-hmm. It's up to what God will do with it. I love that. I'm totally taking that with me. After you obey and the work is done, it's none of my business. What happens after that? <laughs> I mean, the publisher may not like that, but you know, we do our best to keep it being noticed. But that also feels true in when I serve at my local church and and when I'm thinking about relationships that I'm in, like all I can do is say yes to what God asked me to do. And the rest of it's not my business. No, because we can't control it. We What we can control is the next saying yes and doing the next mm-hmm. thing step what, by step. What was your writing like and your life like over the last year during the pandemic? Well, it, again, it's like, you look back and you see God's, I mean, this has been such a tragedy and so much terrible suffering. And so everyone has a different experience. And I feel very blessed that I haven't had the tragedy. Mm. I've had other tragedies in my life, but this year I, I left New York when it was shutting down with friends for two weeks Oh wow! to upstate New York. And here I am still <gasps> over a year later with these wonderful friends. We get on really well. And I, at first when I arrived, I'm like, probably like a lot of us. Well, I'm, what am I going to do? And how am I going to make the most of this time? And how am I going to maximize? And And then I couldn't write at all because, you know, when you're in fight and flight, you're not very playful. And for my type of writing, I have to be playful. Like you would have to be. So after about a month of that, I'm like, okay, I have to just stop trying. And I was like, well, what, maybe the point of this time isn't to do everything the way I normally do it, driving myself on a treadmill, produce, produce, produce. Maybe it's about learning to be and get deeper with God and listen to him and surrender that need. Because why is it such a need? Is it me trying to save myself? So that if I'm like, really, how many stories is enough? I mean, that's, you know, there is never enough stories. So I, I got to the point where I, I was like, okay, my job is to go on a walk, build fires, mm. look at the birds, eat healthily. You know, just I had these little things. I took a class at Yale, the happiness class. I don't know if you know about that. It's no. so good. The science, science of well-being. I recommend it highly. It's their top most popular class, and it, they're offering it free. And what? it's it's eight weeks. You do it your own time. But it's basically everything the Bible tells us but the science. So mm. it's not a, it's not a religious class at all, but it's telling you everything we know, like the power of gratitude, the need to savor, mm-hmm. the power of service. I mean, all these things. And it, every week your homework, for instance, one week your homework was to savor. So I would go and collect the logs. I felt like I'm some kind of pioneer. Yeah. Woman. <laughs> I, get, I collect the woods, I build the fire, but I really stay in building the fire. I'm not off in my head thinking, oh no, what about this? I'm trying to just savor. And so those things really helped. And then after about maybe three months, I started dipping my toes back into a novel that I'm working, I've been working on, but never devoting time to. I would like dip into it. And and what I didn't realize, because I've never written a novel, is that picture books are more like poems. And I find I can go in and out of those because they're shorter. So if you go in and out of them, you kind of, it's exhausting to get back into that world. You're not yeah, in it. So yeah. you keep coming in, coming out. You can't. So what this time did was it was like, oh, an enforced writer's retreat. And so wow. I just kept working on that time. So I'm just so grateful to be able to do that and to have had that as a purpose during this time. 
Are we going to get that novel soon, Sally? Well, it's still in uh, its stages where I'm working with the editor secretly. Yes. And that's very secret stage. But I'm feeling like this revision is so much better. I've done two and now this one. So I'm hoping to send it in at the end of April. And then once I have more of a sense that it's on its way, then I will start talking about it. But yes, it's been an interesting experience. And I'm very grateful, you know, to have work that you can, I mean, really, as a friend of mine said, who's an introvert, I've been secretly, so I've been covertly socially distancing all my life. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's been much harder on extroverts. So all my extrovert friends, are you an extrovert? Oh, all the way. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a whole different experience for extroverts from Mm -hmm. what I can tell. Mm -hmm. So I'm very grateful that for me, being a bit of a hermit in the woods, like gathering wood and watching the birds has been the absolute best situation to write a book. Yeah. But, you know. Have you felt like you had community the whole way through? Well, because I'm with friends and they've they've come and gone. So I've some, and I've also been sort of dog sitting. So I've yeah. now got two little uh, sort of God do- dogs that I really enjoy. So I haven't, I think it's God's grace. If he, wherever he puts us, mm. I think, you know, and I, I'm surrounded by trees. And so I've been thinking a lot about Psalm 1 yeah. and the tree planted by still waters. And I've been thinking about Psalm 23, just because, I'm surrounded by creeks and birds and trees. It's like everywhere I look, it's like a a story from the Bible. And I was reading um, Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. Yeah. Yes. And he talks about, you know, I think he quotes Spurgeon, and I'm not going to say it right, but it's something like um, at the beginning of the book, and it's all about Psalm 23. He says, "I, I lack nothing, not because of my pocketbook, not because of my smarts, but always only because the Lord is my shepherd. Mm. And I think this pandemic for me, and I'm sure for many others has, we've all our idols have all the things that we normally run to, to make ourselves feel better that are all good things in themselves. But Mm -hmm. if they're in the place of God, they're not so good. Those, none of those are really working. You can't just pick up and go on a trip. You can't, you know, see your friends. You're really just where you are. And I feel like it's been a time of, really thinking about where is my life planted and where am I getting my sweetness? Is it from back to that question of performance? Am I only feeling good at the end of the day if I've what I think is of as a productive day? But what if God thinks of a productive day as going on a walk or petting your dog or spending time with him? I know that obviously we've all got to make a living and everything, but we are so hyper everything at the moment you know in our culture that we could probably do with a bit of oh it's all right to have a nap I mean for me that's been an important lesson yeah I hope I can take it out into the post-pandemic world yeah that's right do you mind if I read your psalm 23 oh I would love you to thank you it this is from our friends listening uh you can open to store Jesus storybook bible this is page 132 It says, God is my shepherd and I am his little lamb. He feeds me. He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside, my heart is very quiet, as quiet as laying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. 
He is getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me, everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart so full of happiness, I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go to. Sally, that is, why is Psalm 23 the one? Why is that the one that your heart is drawn to? Why is that the one you wrote so beautifully? Why is that the one we need right now? I think because our heart, I, because there is no safe place. Mm. I mean, the pandemic's shown us that there is no, you know, that's what's so freaky. We're all longing for a safe place, but I mean, we always were in this situation. We just didn't see it. We were always mm. out of control, and we didn't control mm-hmm. how long we live right. or anything. And I think the the shepherd psalm, our heart longs to have a place to belong and a place of safety and care. So I think it's deep in us. And the fact that we don't have to be, it doesn't say the Lord is my rancher and I'm a horse. Mm. Because if you're a horse, I mean, a lamb is completely helpless. We know that sheep don't, even if they're in front of their pen, they don't know how to get home. Mm. If they fall over, they can't get back up again. They are completely hopeless without their shepherd. So I think it gives us permission to say, yes, I'm small, I'm needy, I'm weak, I'm broken. And that's okay because I have a God who is strong, who loves me, who holds the whole future of the world in his hands. And he has chosen me to look after and care for. And it's just a good thing for our hearts. I don't think we can ever have enough of that psalm, can we? Yeah, I have never thought that it doesn't say the Lord is my rancher. I mean, I've never, (laughs) I mean, that is, that is a paradigm shift when you change it to another animal and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it it isn't any other animal. Yeah. And he talks about us so often as sheep. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the beautiful humility of God that he would call himself the lamb. Yeah. He comes as a lamb. It's just, yeah, there's something. And I just think, you know, that's the power of the word of God that it ministers to us without us even knowing why. It's just so deep in us, isn't it? As I told you before we started, we're really careful about this week because it leads us into Holy Week. And the thing you couldn't have known is John Eldridge is on the show Monday and he talked about Psalm 23. Really? Yes. And so when you started down that path, I was like, the Lord is trying to tell us something that this, that both, both of the people I've asked to pastor us towards Holy Week are both saying, go back to Psalm 23. Wow. That is something, isn't it? I know. Yeah. And I love that God talks to us in, I just love the fact that we can be small and weak. Mm -hmm. And in that, we don't have to be pretending or working ourselves up to be strong. Mm -hmm. We can admit when we're weak, because in that, we're we're actually strong, aren't we? Because that's when God's strength can be made perfect. So there's such a beauty in that, that God... God knows us. He knows our secret pains. He knows everything we've gone through. And he's the one who will lead us beside still waters and make us lie down. And and as Dallas Willard said, a sheep, what kind of sheep is by still waters? A sheep if lying down by, by in a meadow is a sheep that's full. Oh, it's not a sheep sure. that's hungry. It's a sheep that's been fed. Yes. 
So it's all about God's provision. And in this pandemic, when we can't provide for ourselves, whether it's we've lost our job, whether it's we've lost our health, I, we can't really make plans. Mm-hmm. And I keep finding myself wanting to make all these plans and having to keep coming back to, well, Lord, this is what I would like, but I don't know anything. I can't make plans for a week because of the way everything is. So I'm just going to stay in today and you bring into my day what you want me to do. And I know that what you're asking of me as your lamb is to let myself be looked after by you and fed by you mm-hmm. and loved by you. Yes. So it comes back to such a simple, we get so complicated, don't we? Yeah. So I, I'm wondering, can you tell me what that practice looks like? Because I'm not very good at that. And I'm having a real run into a brick wall about <laughs> not letting myself be weak and requiring myself to keep going and be strong and you have to be there. And I would imagine so many of our friends listening, whether it's a mom who's still got to care for the kids or a dad who's still got to go to work, even if he's exhausted or me unmarried, no kids. And just feeling like I have to be the strong one. Well, it's overwhelming. And that, yes, because we have to go out into the world in our world, whatever God's put us. But I think if we can start the day by saying, Lord, you know, in my own strength, none of this, like with my novel, for instance, mm-hmm. the best days are when I go, Lord, because if you, you know, for instance, if you get a, a cold, just a head cold, you can't really think straight. Mm-hmm. And I look at my novel, and I'm like, how did I write that? I can't, I'm, I have to just not even look at it. And right. that's just a head cold. But it reminds me, without God being in it, I can't do it. So what I tend to say is, God, unless you do this through me, I can't do it. Mm. So I give you what I believe you've given me to do. And I ask that you will give me the clues, help me follow the clues, help me have clarity. And you do it through me and I make myself available. Mm. I think it's just a matter of really being honest about all the things in our day and giving them really like imagining God sitting opposite you. I, I sit in this window seat and I imagine him sitting opposite me. Yeah. And when I'm having my coffee and I'm looking out of the window at the trees, and sometimes I'll just stare. That helps me. I stare at the trees and I wait, like I'm listening. Mm. And this morning I was thinking, you know, now we're in this transition of, oh, we're we're maybe leaving pandemic. Maybe we're coming back into the world with the vaccinations. And then you feel this anxiety of, well, how am I going to, what, how, when, you know, you start getting all this anxiety. And then I think, well, just like the snows have just melted up here, and now spring is about to happen. Mm-hmm. That would mean if you wanted to not have any change, you'd be in winter all the time. Right. The change is uncomfortable, but that means spring is coming. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh no, the snow, it's so beautiful. It's going. And then the Lord's like, well, but the, if it didn't go, the spring couldn't come. Mm-hmm. So it's, anyway, I look out the window and I listen, and then I bring all the things that are on my, all my worries. And I just name them and try and imagine giving them over to him. And then my only job is to let him look after me today Mm. and take him as he's my boss, not me, not someone else. He's my boss and I'm going to work for him and he'll give me the strength to do what he's giving me to do. So it's a, it's a weakness, but a confidence because we're not, we're not saying we can't do it. We're just saying we know who's going to do it through us. Mm. That, that is a good shift for my brain. It's not, we can just say, it's not just a weakness in that you can't do it. It's a confidence that I don't have enough to do it, but God will do. He will And it's do. not, yeah. And the other thing is it's, I really have to tell myself, it's not all up to me. 
It's mm-hmm. all up to God. Mm-hmm. My job is the next right thing. And Elizabeth Elliot, I love what she said when someone said, why, how did you cope with losing two husbands? Mm-hmm. And she said, in so many words, I would pray. And then if, and then I would do the next right thing. And then if the next right thing was making my bed, I'd make my bed. Wow. And I have, that has helped me so much this year, especially yeah. when you feel overwhelmed. It's really an overwhelmed feeling, isn't it? All the things on your to-do list, all the people expecting things. I can't do all of that, but I can do the next right thing. So, and if it's my bed, I'm going to make my bed. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Pros. If you're wondering about the world's most personalized hair care, wonder no longer, it is Pros. They know that we don't always find the results we're looking for from the shelves of our go-to stores. And so they combine natural ingredients in innovative ways giving you clean, customized hair care that really works. Y'all, Pros has absolutely changed my hair. I've been using the personalized shampoo and conditioner they created for me, and my hair is shiny and smooth like I've never seen it before. I love that my Pros products are formulated with clean ingredients, and they smell so good. Win-win. The way it works is that you go to their website and take the quiz. It's super simple. I just told them what I was hoping to address with my hair and some things about my life, like the climate where I live, my typical eating and health habits. That's the type of information they use to personalize your hair care products. And the quiz isn't the only way they customize your experience. They have a review and refine feature, which lets you tweak formulas for any reason, seasonal or lifestyle changes. So they're always looking to deliver even better results with each shipment. Pros has over 50 billion, y'all, 50 billion formula combinations. Yes, five, zero, billion. So they are able to determine a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Every bottle is made to order, so you're guaranteed fresh and effective hair care. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash that sounds fun for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz and you could join the club. And now back to finish our conversation with Sally. Uh, You bringing up Elizabeth Elliot triggers a question in my mind of when you think about that generation of writers, the one right above us that I, I, I never got to meet. Elizabeth Elliot, no. Catherine Marshall. Who's your who? Who's your favorite from that generation above us that we that were gone before we got to meet them? Corrie Ten Boom. Oh, of course, yes. I mean, she might be a bit older than Elizabeth Elliot, but she's always been a hero. Mm-hmm. And when you look at her life from a worldly perspective, mm-hmm. what did she have that the world would tell us is, or, or, or that we would generally think was a successful life? She no. didn't have a home. She was a tramp for the Lord. She never married. She didn't have children. She she wasn't anyone particularly what we generally would think of as a giant. Mm -hmm. And yet she is one of the giants of faith and the joy that she had. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. So I I just love how God, the way he works in different people's lives. And I love the fact that God chooses the people no one else would choose. And he, like Leah, he chooses Leah and, and she becomes the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Yeah. It's not Rachel, who's the beautiful one. Mm-hmm. It's Leah, who everyone thinks isn't beautiful. Right. But God has a special place in his heart for the ones that no one else chooses or no one else thinks is important. Mm-hmm. And he works, and this goes back to the lamb, he works with weak things and the people who aren't able 
to do incredible, miraculous things. So in a way, when we think it's all up to us, we get in the way and we do less. <laughs> and in my writing, I know if I'm all about, am I a good writer? I'm completely in the way of the story and the story can't come through. Mm. If I get out of the way and I say, what would be good for the child, which is a much more generous, it's not about me showing off, which will make me do like very clever little word plays, but <laughs> yeah. who cares? The reader doesn't care. You've lost them. So there's a generosity in storytelling that can be all about you yeah. or it can be about the reader. Yeah. So I think that's true in all of our lives. We can just say, Lord, help me and my worries and all my anxieties get out of the way and let the story through. You, you do it. Mm -hmm. I'm available and mm -hmm. you're going to do so much better than if I, if it was all up to me, I couldn't do half of what you can do. When I'm thinking about Easter baskets next week, I know you have a new a new book called Near about Psalm 139 that I'm like, come on, everybody, let's put that in everyone's Easter basket. <laughs> Why Psalm 139? Why was that the next one for you to retell for us? Well, the, the timing of it is looks really clever. But again, <laughs> well only done. God was in, in charge of that because who, what do we need, you know, in a time of social distancing, when we can't be near to our loved ones, mm -hmm. there's one who is completely near to us always. Mm -hmm. And so the timing of it is, is just God's doing. And I'm so grateful because what I wanted children to know was no matter where you go, there's someone with you always mm -hmm. at all times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was uh, at eight, I went to boarding school, which to Americans sounds dreadful. I mean, in England, it's a bit more normal, mm -hmm. but I remember before I set off, my dad gave me a verse from Joshua and it was, you know, be strong and very courageous. And I'm with you always, you know, and everywhere you go, I'm with you. And so it was very, very important to me as an eight-year-old facing the most traumatic thing in my whole life mm. to know I didn't go to that boarding school alone. I was, God was with me and it was very real. And so I think mm. that's what I was hoping to just let children know whatever they're facing they're not in it alone. God is always close to them. We, on Monday nights, I get to read a kid's book on Instagram called the Mini BFF Book Club. Oh, I've loved that. It's, oh. what, a, what a pandemic blessing, right? Absolute I mean, pandemic blessing. Yeah, I love it. It is such a gift. So Monday night during um, Holy Week, I will be reading Near. Oh, so that's the one that. we're going to give people as they go into Holy Week. So can we talk about Holy Week for just a minute? Will you kind of... Yeah. For those of our friends who are listening that maybe don't have never really celebrated Easter, maybe they're newer to faith, they don't totally know what this week is about. Why do we why do we settle in for the whole week versus just Easter? Like at Christmas, it's Christmas. But but we really settle into an entire a holy week. What is that about? Well, I think I think we need it's like it's a story. We're living a story. Maybe that's what it is. Like because the, I think that there's no joy, there's no, you need the death to enjoy the resurrection. You know, there's no joy without suffering. And we, we're in a year, maybe particularly where the suffering is so obvious. Mm -hmm. So when we do Holy Week, what we're doing is we're tracing, you know, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. So the king, the prince of heaven, who could have come with power and might and swords, and he didn't come with power, he gave away power. Mm -hmm. And he took on the job of the lowliest, not even the lowliest servant would ever have stooped to wash dung off people's feet. Right. And here, the Prince of Heaven 
does it. Mm. So right there is a picture that is so beautiful mm -hmm. of the, the one who had all the glory in heaven, casting it aside because he loves us mm -hmm. and telling Peter, unless I wash you completely, you can't be close to me. So I'm doing this and it's a prelude to what he's going to do on Good Friday. So you have that on, on Maundy Thursday. Then on Good Friday, you have three hours of Jesus on the cross. And it's the crucifixion being such a torture, the most deliberately designed torture, because it was in all kinds of ways designed to make the person suffer. And yet the horror of the crucifixion is not the physical pain that Jesus went through, but the fact that he would lose his relationship with his father because God was sending all that, all the punishment and all the blame for all of our sins onto mm -hmm. his own son. It's something they'd agreed to before the beginning of time. They knew this was going to happen. So the crucifixion, and then you're in this, you stay in that place of what must it have been like for the disciples? Their, the Messiah, the one who was going to save them, has died. How could that be? And then the miraculous Easter morning. Mm -hmm. And not just coming back from the dead, but abolishing death. Mm -hmm. So death doesn't even have the power anymore. Because if you come back from the dead, you die again. But here's Jesus with a new body who, that can go through walls, that can eat fish. <laughs> you know. That is wild. Go through walls and eat fish. That does not make well, any sense. <laughs> no. But I think it's, it maybe it's, I'm just thinking this. To me, it helps me let sink in the miraculousness and the incredibleness yes. of this whole story. And the joy of the resurrection is even more because you've been through the prelude to it. And, the, yes. and we didn't even talk about the Garden of Gethsemane when he's sweating drops of blood and yeah. the agony. And it's just such a, it's such a, if we really believe the, I mean, if we don't believe the resurrection, then as Paul said, we've, we're wasting our time because it's all hangs on that. Mm -hmm. If death is abolished and this isn't it, and when we die, we'll wake up into a new life. If I believe that, then every day would be different. And we struggle, don't we? Because it's so, it's faith, it's not mm -hmm. sight. Although it's historical. So it's this. A friend of that mine. was a very long no. roundabout. Oh, no, it was. Sally, you underestimate how much I enjoy listening to you and being in this conversation because I'm like, keep going, sister. I have a friend who said when her dad was trying to explain earth and heaven to her and this life and after this life, he said, if I would have told you when you're in your mother's stomach about college, you would have never believed me because, oh, so because you wouldn't have ever believed there was something better than living in your mom's stomach. And, and that has been such a helpful analogy for me to go, oh, I can't, e I can't even imagine what this uh, next life with Jesus will be like. No, that's a really good that just shows us again how little and small we are. Yes, yes. You know, we don't get it, but that's okay. Yeah. We can say, but, you know, Jesus is a historical, this is a historical, that's the, our faith is history. It's not yes. made up mythology. It's actual datable history. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, who was it? Leon, someone, I can't remember that. Leon Morris, was it? He set out to disprove the resurrection. He was a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the book, he became a Christian because he couldn't, you know, <laughs> couldn't the do evidence it. was way too strong as a That's lawyer. Right. So. so you will be the last friend people here on the show until Easter, until the Monday after Easter, actually. So will you just kind of 
pastor us into Easter. Kind of talk to us. What should we think about, pray about? If we're journaling next week, what would you have us kind of think through? Wow. Well, I can. I think something that's been on my heart has been to to know that the things we can't see are more are more maybe more amazing than what we can see. Mm. And right now maybe all we can see in our own lives is suffering and pain and loss and what we don't have. And, but to look out, and if you're in the place where spring is coming, mm-hmm. to look already and see there are buds on the trees already, yeah. but they were there before the leaves fell in the autumn. Mm. They're ready to go the minute the word is coming. So even though it looks like the trees are bare, they're not. They're waiting for the right time. And so I just wonder if this Easter we can bring all of our suffering and all the things we don't understand and all the things that truthfully God is, is enraged about. He, he is against suffering and sickness and the COVID virus and all the destruction and the hatred in the world. Those are all the things. That's why he came. Mm-hmm. So I think we can just lament the state of everything and be honest with our feelings and thank him that even though it looks dark and bare, that there's a sermon going on in the trees. And I think we're supposed to look at the world around us and notice, like already the birds have come. How do they know? How there's no leaves. It's still cold. How did they know? Sally, I thought the same thing when I was reading my Bible this morning because I was like out the window. I was like, I haven't heard them in months. How did the and birds suddenly know? They're back. Suddenly they're back. So I don't know if that can help you, but for me, yes. looking at the natural world and, and thinking, there's a design here. How could this be just random? There's a creator. He's taught the birds when to come back. He knows when the buds are going to come. The trees know when to, to burst into leaf. And our period of darkness and suffering is not forever. Mm-hmm. And the resurrection shows that God turns the table on death and sickness and pain and it's not, it doesn't get the last word because love gets the last word. And love is the at the center of the universe and became a person and came to earth to love us. Mm-hmm. So I think Easter tells us to hope, just like spring tells us to hope, that a little, a little tiny shoot can break up out of a concrete boulder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? No, you're very good at, I love chatting with you. Uh, Same. I seriously was already thinking, next time Sally's in Nashville, I'm going to really make a play for some time together. (laughs) Oh, wouldn't that be so fun? I would love that. Okay, next time you're down here, let's please do it. Okay, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Well, what sounds fun to me is, strangely enough, getting on a plane and going somewhere. Oh, I don't think that's strange at all. Where would you like to I go? Mean, what, what what places are you dying to see? Well, well, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was all over the place. I was like, I want to, well, I, then I was like, I'm going to go and live in Santa Fe. No, I'm going to live in LA. <laughs> no, I'm going to live. I had all, I'm sure we were all like that. But now I'm like, oh, I would really love to go to, because I haven't seen my family in England for over oh, a year. Sure. I would love to go to a natural, a national, um, national trust property. And they have all these amazing gardens I would love yeah. to go to a spring garden in Britain because those that sounds like an old thought but maybe no, I am no but anyway I just love that so that sounds like fun but truthfully 
Yeah, there's so many things like sound like fun, but I guess yeah, that's what that's comes to mind. That's a great answer. Did you know I used to live in Edinburgh? No. Yeah. Oh, I love so it. I can so I can talk National Trust Parks with you all day. I Aren't mean, I so, oh. and I feel that with you. I I mean, I didn't I didn't grow up in England, but but I am longing to get back to my friends in Scotland. Like I, oh, I can't believe yes. that we just can't. I mean, I can't believe it's been a year and a half and we just can't go. I mean, it is wild. No. How long were you in Edinburgh? Uh, most of 2011. Wonderful. It's so, a lovely... But I try still go over once a year, once every That's eight great. to 10 months to a year to see all my friends. So just, how fun. Oh, I love it. Sally, thanks for doing this today. We're really oh, thankful for you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. It was a, I was a pleasure. No, it yes, was a you pleasure. Were. You were the pleasure. <laughs> that is true. Sorry, that's awful. <laughs> Friends, isn't she amazing? My gracious. I just could have listened for another hours and hours and hours. So I am so thankful for Sally's wisdom and for the way she's helping us walk into next week. Make sure you grab a copy of Sally's sweet new book called Near. And if you're not already, be sure to follow Sally. Tell her thanks for being on the show today. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I'm Annie F. Downs, TSF, like that sounds fun, on YouTube. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Have a great weekend. Have a great Holy Week. And I hope your Easter celebration is so, so meaningful. So we'll see you back here on the Monday after Easter with the incredibly funny Mike Goodwin. And since I won't see you between now and Easter, I'll just say, I'm really glad Jesus is alive. Happy Easter, friends. Mm -hmm.